You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. him with this world-destroying thing? It's called the Scarab. I had no idea it would activate. It has to choose you. So how do we get it to unchoose me? Host acquired. Who said that? Systems checking. Three, okay, two. Time to go back to the movies this week, and we are looking at Blue Beetle, the newest film by into the DCU, and it's supposed to actually be the first film that's going to be taking place in the James Gunn universe of the DCU, and it's been confirmed with that, and it's, you know, saying bye-bye Snyderverse, hello, James Gunn. 
So it's going to be a very interesting time to be here and everything. I think if the movie had totally bombed, it would have been part of the Snyder verse. And, <laughs> but I think since it did okay, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes, it's going to be part of the new DCU. So we're probably going to see this character popping up quite a few different times. And do we like it? Did we not? We'll be talking all about that. And we're going to spoil the hell out of this one, folks. How exciting. <laughs> Spoilers. So if you have not seen a chance of that, this movie yet, please go see it. A lot of people have seen it. It's gotten a lot of buzz. And, you know, but we're the ones who count here because, you know, we're the experts, of course. You know, this is your friends at Earth Station One who are here talking to. Of course, let's say hey to Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. How are you this week, my friend? I am fine. I am fine. Of course, you know, I'm in full Dragon Con mode. So uh, everything is is counting down to that uh, date, uh, which is just oh, a week away almost. Well, you don't see it off the camera, folks. He has actually a clock that's counting down the time he has to be there. No, it's the... right in here. That's where oh, that's okay. where the clock is. It's right. It's right in here. It's ticking. <laughs> it's ticking away. And uh, are you yeah. sure that's a dragon con dragon con clock that's ticking away in there? <laughs> They're both tied together. So yes. Oh, okay, okay. Just had to make sure on that. And we have some amazing folks, of course. Ashley Pauls is here. Hello. Thank you, as always. You no, know, it's always great. It's movie time. Ashley is here, which is great. Our so, final summer movie. Our I final know already. Movie. It's in what a wild summer it has been. Uh, who could have guessed, right? We're two episodes away, folks, from trying to see if we have egg on our face or not. So I think we already know. I know we already know the answer. To that. I think I oh, might yeah. have suddenly remembered a commitment I have for that recording night. That has nothing to do with the fact that I am gonna have a lot of egg on my face so. <laughs> i think we all are dear i really think we all are who knew that barbie was gonna do so great this yeah. year you know but you know bravo for that and i can't wait to talk about that all with everybody of course we're talking about dc universe drew Leiter is here from earth station dcu hey guys i've Welcome been very to- excited about this one so, yeah, it's much, much better than to talk about this one than the last DC movie we talked about, I think. <laughs> the last two. Oh, yeah, touche. <laughs> I think you're right. I definitely think so. Uh, but, yeah, it's pretty going to be fun to talk about it. Sorry, uh, your partner couldn't be here. Yep, I think it's a sports commitment. So uh, well, School started, so it gets busy. The joy of having a partner who's in the education business and everything. Yep. And we are joined by a newbie tonight. Somebody I met at Dragon Con. What was it? Last year, I think. Let's welcome Rosemary. Hi. Welcome. Hi. Happy to be here. Rosemary Jean-Louis. And yes, we met at a Dragon Con panel. Um, a typical Stargirl. Stargirl. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Good times. Lots of fun. Well, also counting down Dragon Con over here as well. Of course. So tell everyone a little bit about yourself. What is your fandom? What is your geekdom? And, you know, everything else you want to omit on, uh, because you're on live on camera. So, you know, everyone's going to find out. Okay. No worries. Oh, you can probably see a little bit of my uh, Wonder Woman crest on my shirt. 
uh, popping up a bit. So um, I love the DC universe, but I also uh, love Marvel as well. Um, grew up with reading the X-Men comics as well as Spider-Man. And of course, once uh, the D once the Marvel universe um, in the movies got it right, uh, they, they need to course correct right now. But once they got it right the last couple of decades, um, yeah, I was uh, very, very excited. So definitely a Marvel Universe person. Um, loved a DC Universe on the small screen um, and have done uh, pop culture writing uh, about um, comic books and TV shows um, for public broadcasting in the past and have been a panelist for some of the Dragon Con American sci-fi media panels. Um, in the past and hopefully also in this upcoming con as well. That is awesome. What panels do you have for the upcoming con? I have not checked yet, but I, I did put in, uh, put my hat in the ring for the Wakanda forever uh, panel. So nice. uh, we'll, we'll see, hopefully that, I'll that is awesome. That panel. Fantastic. That is awesome. Well, welcome aboard and hopefully we won't scare you away after this episode. <laughs> so let's see. How Bring it, goes. it on. Bring it on. Of course, we'd love to hear from you guys. Feedback at EarthStation1.com is the best way to get in touch with us. And if you've even made it this far into the show, please like and subscribe. There's buttons down underneath on your player or over on YouTube. We definitely would love to do it. We're almost at 100 subscribe, um, subscribers on YouTube already. Let's push it over 100, folks. I want to get those numbers up. And, you know, and if you haven't had a chance to do it yet, please, we definitely would appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. And also ring the bell. You know, that's how you get to know if uh, we do new episodes and we're coming to you once a week now. So definitely check it out. Mr. Mike, ready to go to the world of Blue Beetle? Court let's do it. Waiting. Yeah, let's do it. Let's uh, let's uh, let's get that done. Um, yeah. Palmero City. Right. Is that where we're going? That's yes. where we're headed. Right. Uh, which looks so amazing on film. Um, all right. So let's first talk about the box office because we like the box office watch here, especially during the summer months. And as of today, Blue Beetle has grossed twenty five point four million in the United States and Canada, eighteen million dollars in other territories. So it has a worldwide total of forty three point four million. And I think as Mike might have alluded to, it is the first movie on a weekend to beat Barbie. Um, so uh, I guess, you know, yay, Blue Beetle. Although I, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's probably like a, just a short win <laughs> because I'm sure that Barbie will, will uh, overtake things again next week. I don't see anything stopping that, that pink juggernaut. Um, but, uh, you know, Blue Beetle got the, the, the win here for this weekend. It's still, I think in a lot of people's mind is underperforming, uh, certainly compared to the other two DC movies that came out this year. It, it didn't even do half of those numbers. Um, so DC still, Warner Brothers DC still has a problem with getting people to the theater. Obviously there's a lot of things over uh you know hanging over this movie in terms of its box office results uh you've got sort of a cross like you know people are not sure what counts and what doesn't count as far as the extended universe goes you know james gunn is saying one thing and and certain other people are saying other things so it, it just is so confusing um and this is a this is a character that a lot of people are not familiar with uh i mean blue beetle is not um, I don't even know if you can call him a B-list character in the comics. He's 
you know, he's he's there. Some people like diehards know him, but it's not exactly like he's got uh, like he's part of the Bat family or Superman or anything like that. So I think he's got that going against him. Um, you know, there's uh, there's other issues regarding this movie, too. So I think. The word of mouth is what's important to me and 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 sort of obviously my response personally, which we'll get into in a little bit. But I think the word of mouth on this movie has been really, really good, um, uh, both from a critic standpoint and from audience scores. Um, it did get, I think, a 39 percent opening weekend uh, result were Hispanic. Uh, 60 percent, 66 percent of that was male, which is huge. Um, huge actually uh, for that kind of market, especially regarding a superhero movie. So I think there's a lot of positives to take away from the box office this weekend, even though it may not, you know, sustain itself and be a major factor in the top 10 of the summer or whatever. I still think there's a lot of encouraging things about this box office that we saw, um, if not the movie itself. Uh, Ashley, what do you think about the box office results this weekend as far as, far as this movie goes? Yeah, um, I am, was surprised to hear that it didn't do bigger numbers based on like how much fun I had watching the movie. And it really just is like a fun, feel-good summer superhero movie. So I'm really surprised that it didn't do well. I think this is, just like you were saying, again, an unfortunate case of outside factors impacting the box office more than the film itself. I am hopeful that word of mouth um, will carry it on, but unfortunately we have like kids going back to school in the Midwest. It was ridiculously hot this weekend. In fact, it was so hot that my family elected not to go get ice cream. We didn't even want to go out to do that. So, wow. (gasps) Yeah. So it's it's ter- it was terrible here in the the Midwest. So <laughs> I it might have been just all a bunch of factors that was like going back to school and getting into the swing of things. So I really would have loved to see this come out earlier in the summer because I think it could have had some nice legs at the box office. But to anybody listening, don't let its poor box office performance make the judgment for you of whether or not to see it, because I think there, there is a lot to love about this movie. So hopefully it will do better, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of worried just based on some of those outside factors impacting it. Rosemary, any thoughts uh, that you have regarding just the box office side of things with this movie? Um, sure. I, I felt that the marketing of it or lack thereof probably contributed to the uh, low box office numbers as well. Um, ironically, when I thought about this movie, I thought about in, in terms of the uh, Hispanic or Latino market, how well, uh, remember the Puss in, Puss in Boots movie did and how people were so surprised about how well that did. Well, apparently there was a good marketing machine behind that character and for, to pull it out, pull Puss in Boots out of um, the Shrek movies and give him his runoff. You know, with Antonio Banderas, of course, boom, it did so well. But with Blue Beetle, you know, it's still a lot of people, even in, the, in you know, comic book fans were going, who, who is this, this person? Those of us who watch Young Justice, we know who Blue Beetle is. Exactly. A, lot other, a lot of people didn't. So they, I just felt that they really didn't give it enough of a push um, in terms of marketing that they should have. And then lastly, 
probably the factor of people thinking, well, is it part of the gun universe? Is it not? Probably not going to count if I miss it. Eh, you know, wait till it comes on HBO Max. And then we'll see the official movie that Gunn puts out. Then maybe I'll come in and see that, which is, I, I think it's Superman Legacy or something that mm-hmm. once that comes out, then maybe they'll truly pay attention. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Drew, any thoughts box office wise? Yep. Cletus and I predicted it was going to bomb way earlier this year, just because the fact people aren't going to see DC movies. I mean, the the Flash bombed, the Last Shazam movie bombed. People they deserve it. People just aren't going to the movies to see the going to the movies to see the DC movies. So, wasn't surprised at all. And the fact that you know most people don't know who Blue, Blue Beetle is. That's another factor. It's not a Superman. It's not a Wonder Woman. It's not a Batman. So, mm. you know, less people are going to go out to see it. Also, I think another thing contributing to it is the fact this was supposed to be an HBO Max release originally. And, uh, you know, once once DC, Warner Brothers changed hands or we had the merger, um, they decided to put it on the big screen because they were trying to get those bucks. But mm-hmm. as we've been seeing, it's not been working. And I don't think we're going to start seeing um, audiences come to the DC movies until Superman Legacy comes out. Comes yeah. out. So, Yeah, we've got uh, one more that's scheduled to be released yeah. at some point, which is Aquaman 2. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see how well that does. But um, I would imagine it's going to be on par with uh, – at this point – I would not be surprised if Warner Brothers doesn't just switch things up and just say, you know what, let's just put that out on Max. Um, you know, um, wow. especially since, uh, you know, I think uh, obviously, you know, the they're trying to cut corners and and and, and they they don't have uh, actor or writer support to help to promote these movies, et cetera, et cetera. So, I think they're looking at at you know moving a lot of you know, films to next year, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know. I would not be surprised, but we'll see. We'll see. Mike, any final thoughts on the box office before we get oh, to the movie? Tons, actually. A couple of little things that we had um, that you've touched on already. Yeah. Blue Beetle isn't a very well-known character outside of the comics, but they had him in Young Justice, the cartoon, and a younger audience watches that. But he was also in Justice League versus Teen Titans also. And so he did had some exposure. What really hurt him, though, was the movie itself was that they couldn't have a grand opening type thing like, a you know, a red carpet type event to, you know, get everyone excited for it because of the strike. And that kind of hurt it. And I think this movie is going to do gangbusters when it comes up onto HBO. In a couple, probably in a month or two at the most. I think people are going to do it because of word of mouth. I know I'm already looking forward to seeing it another two times at least, just because I know, especially when they were in Ted Cord's um, office, how, you know, in his lab, how much I was, you know, looking and seeing how much I was missing also at the same time. And there were a lot of Easter eggs in this movie. There were so many DCU stuff laid out through it, and it was interesting to see. Um, 
for me, it was interesting. I've only read the first series of the, of, you know, Jaime's storyline and everything, his origin and everything. And I felt like it was the comic coming to life, seeing that. I haven't read later into the series. I know um, he's had a couple different series already. or And it's just interesting to see what they did with him. And I loved the acting. And we'll get into that yet. I don't want to jump in before we get too far in it. But there is a ton to talk about. And truthfully, I'm just going to come out and say it. Out of all the DC stuff that came out this year, this is my favorite. This is, uh, and yeah, well, I mean, I think bottom line is that it is worth seeing. I think a lot of people are hearing that. Um, and like I said, the word of mouth is, uh, so I do expect, I don't know, it should be really interesting to see if there's uh, how much of a drop off there is next weekend, because there will be a drop off. Um, but, you know, is it going to be huge or is it, a lot of people going to be more curious about it and give it a chance? I hope, I hope so. Um, because I, I do think even though, like Drew said, I know it was originally slated to be in a Max movie, but I'll tell you what, seeing it on the big screen and everything was a thrill. I never felt at all that I was watching it being bumped up. I thought it was a great movie as to see in the theater. Um, so a couple of friends who actually got to see it in IMAX and they loved it. Nice. Nice. So, um, all right. So that's the box, box office picture. Uh, obviously, as things progress, we'll keep you posted. And in a couple, only a couple weeks away from our huge, like, wrap up of the whole summer. Yeah. As uh, you guys have pointed out, that's going to be really interesting <laughs> to see, uh, you know, uh, and it, it, since it's been a hot summer, it'll be fried eggs on our face, which I don't know is better or worse. So uh, we'll see. It'll be more of a slap instead of a <laughs> Exactly. Slap yeah, like yeah. That. It's easy. Um, all right. So let's get into, uh, the movie itself and what your feelings are about the character. Uh, Rosemary, I want to start with you. What are your, um, sort of thoughts about what is your exposure to the character before you saw this movie, your expectations going in and ultimately were you satisfied coming out of the theater? Oh, sure. Those are great questions. So as I mentioned, <laughs> I had exposure to the character uh, through watching Young Justice, the the multiple iterations of it. I think I did see um, there's a Justice League, Justice League versus Teen Titans, but it's been a while, so I don't really remember his characterization um, in that movie. So versus Young Justice versus the Blue Beetle movie, I liked his characterization in the Blue Beetle movie a lot better because I felt it was authentic. And Young Justice. Um, Blue Beetle was constantly speaking, I'll say Spanglish, you know, mm. constantly and quippy. And, and some, you know, sometimes it was warranted and sometimes it was just overdone. I'm like, okay, cool it, man. We get it. <laughs> you know, you're part of the, you know, you're Mexican American. We get it. Um, I felt it was definitely, um, more authentic, uh, in the movie, especially in the context of family, how people sp- speak to each other, uh, especially how, um, there was code switching. Sometimes, um, the Blue Beetle character would, would Jaime would speak, um, Spanish completely and sometimes English. It would be a little bit of, um, a mixture here and there, but I thought it was more authentic in a family situation like that where you had multiple generations, some who are, are fluent and some who are not, um, where that's how, um, the interaction would would be. I think your last question was, how did I feel coming out of the movie? Was was that your last question? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. I hope I, I think I might be the dissenter voice here. I I came out going, eh, you know, it, it was good. I, I felt, you know, it was a good family film, but I felt it was bit a, a bit of a paint by numbers job. You know, it was kind of like, okay, he's got to have an origin story. So this is, this is his origin story. He gets, he gets bitten by a blue scarab, which, you know, he, he did not, but you know, that's sure, a little quick what, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And I think, it, 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 I think technically it went in the other end. So. Yeah, <laughs> you, you understand what I mean. He gets, oh. the, he gets the blue scarab and yeah, you know, with, with the, 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 the jokes from his, his uncle, um, talking about coming out the butt. So yes, got to place him here. Um, hijinks ensue as he, he's confused and upset by it all. Try to figure out how to get it out of him. Um, bad people. And then oh, the, the, the special quality I felt, um, of the movie was the, the family ties, right. And where in a sense, in, in a, a lot of ways, the family ended up upstaging the blue beetle character, that that whole dynamic and of them coming in to swoop in to, and to save him. So maybe that that's that was an intentional um, direction that they wanted to go. Um, but I wish there was more of a development of um, Jaime Reyes as a as a character, a little bit more of a development of of um, his neighborhood as well. Because it's like, okay, we get it. You live in a bad neighborhood, darn, you know, I, I wish, you know, you got more interaction with the, the neighbors, but um, by the end of it, ultimately it, it was great how they set up that he, he embraced his destiny. He um, got together, his family supported him. And also um, one, one of the, the heart wrenching moments for me um, was when Carapax, when, when you saw his, um, gut-wrenching backstory. I mm -hmm. think that was like a, a major moment for me and, and ultimately him sacrificing or, or rather ending his life because he realized, you know, um, I've been, I've been going down a, a, a bad path and let me meet my mom because I've, I've done one thing in my life that, um, that would kind of redeem me by taking Victoria Cord with me. And of course, lastly, you have grandma, which who, they're saying that she might get her own spinoff. It's like, you know, kind of <laughs> like the, the song Grandma's Got a Gun, you know, <laughs> kind of should have been playing during her scenes. She was awesome. I, she totally stole the show. And I think a lot of people felt that, too. And she was just like, you had to you just wanted her to be on camera all the time. So um, that, that, yeah, I, I, I don't felt, mess with Nana. Don't mess with Nana. Uh, ultimately, nope. yeah, it, it was a good movie. Um, you know, I, I I thought it was okay, decent paint by numbers setup. Good, good, good. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, we'll see how dissenting that really is. But I, I mean, I think uh, I, I actually I think I agree with a lot of those points. But uh, we're gonna go down to Drew. Drew, I, now I know you must have a lot of experience with the Beetle character. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and your thoughts going in, and ultimately, were you satisfied coming out? All right. Well, my first memory of Blue Beetle goes back to this comic, right? Oh, can you guys even see it? No, nope. uh, it's pretty bright. Yeah, no, we can't. We can't. Nope. Really Sorry, but it's it's Justice League uh, number one, the uh, oh, one from the uh, Baja, Keith Giffen. Yep. Yeah. So Baja. that was my first experience with the Blue Beetle character. So I. I grew up with the uh, Ted Cord version. Now, one of the things I liked in the movie was the legacy they had with the character. 
So, you know, with the original Blue Beetle, then Ted, and then, of course, Jaime. So, I, um, I love that. I love the, uh, I love the family aspect of it. And, uh, Cletus and I you, just, I'm oh. sorry, real quick. Now you've been reading and are more aware probably of any of us more of, of Jaime's, uh, run as Blue Beetle probably because he's been Blue Beetle now for what? Has it been 10 years now almost? Right. It's, it's been a while now. I was out of comics for a while because I didn't come back into it to 2016. So gotcha. when I when I was uh, and that's that's about when he came into right things. I think so. But um, anyways, we we just did a mini series called um, what was it? Blue Beetle Graduation Day, and there was a lot of um, there was a lot of the characters in that that was in the movie so it wasn't the greatest miniseries so i wouldn't (laughs) i wouldn't recommend spending your money picking it up but it it was okay but it had victoria cord in it and that and the miniseries was the first time i was introduced to ted's sister so gotcha and she was kind of ambiguous in that we couldn't we couldn't tell if she was a villain or not i knew she was supposed to be for the movie because i had heard that Susan Sarandon was cast to be the villain. So I knew that was going to be in the movie, but uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of the elements we saw. And then the other thing I noticed in the comic book, one of the complaints Cletus and I both had when we were reading it was the fact that they were, they were doing it in both Spanish and English because when they talked in Spanish, we had no clue what they were saying. And uh, neither one of us wanted to take the time to, throw it into google translator and anything so i mean it wasn't too bad but it was every once in a while now i really like i really enjoyed it in the movie because you had the subtitles to translate it with mm-hmm. and uh you know i've i've seen that in real life too where you have a mix when you when you're with hispanic families you got that mix of spanish and english sometimes so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and the fact they're always button into your business <laughs> That's what family does, right? Anytime you have any ethnic family, though, a lot of times if you're fairly, you know, one generation about coming into the country, you a lot of times have conversations that are going in between, between, you know, grandma, speak English, you know, we're in America now, you know, you've seen that tons of times. And it's just real interesting with that. And I thought that was really, really well done in this. Uh, by the way, I do see that uh, I did look it up, and 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 Blue Beetle Jaime Reyes has been around since 2006 was it, when he made his debut in the comics. So he's been around for yeah a little bit longer than I thought. So, um, but to to your point, just finish up uh, real quick. Um, uh, did you like the movie? Were you satisfied coming out? Yeah, I really enjoyed the movie. So I thought it was funny. It felt kind of like Shazam, or even what more came to mind was kind of like Sky High. Where it was kind of geared, geared for kids, but, you know, I, I thought it was geared a little bit for kids and families, but there was a little bit more language in it than I expected it to have, which was mm-hmm. okay. So, love the action, love the humor, love George Lopez in it. I thought he was hilarious. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like that, I love the uh, legacy stuff in it. The, right. the beetle ship. I love seeing that part. Probably going into Ted Cord's uh, man cave or his lab or whatever you want to call it, his secret lair. 
I love seeing all that stuff in there. And just like Mike mentioned earlier, I want to rewatch it again just to uh, see everything <laughs> I missed. Yeah. Uh, I will say uh, that, uh, that I had no idea. I knew that Ted Cord was going to be mentioned in the movie, et cetera, et cetera. So I knew it was a legacy. I had no idea we were going to see the bug. Um, when they got in and when we saw the bug and we saw the bug in action, I, I, I geeked out a lot more than I thought ever expected to. I thought that was just the coolest like thing. Um, and it really helped that third act for me a lot because I was just like, this is so cool. Like I was like, I never thought I'd see the bug in action like this. Um, and, uh, and that, that was really cool. Um, Ashley, uh, so I would imagine your experience with the with the beetle is uh, not not as extensive, but I mean, tell me what your thoughts were going in and, and ultimately coming out. Yeah, I'm embarrassed to admit I had absolutely no idea who no Blue need Beetle to be embarrassed. You, you, you've done our show how long, and you you, can't, you know you can't be embarrassed Come on this. On. Show. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm a big fan of both DC and Marvel superhero movies, big and small screen. So naturally, if it's a superhero movie, I'm going to see it. I was intrigued by the trailer. It's like, oh, that looks kind of fun, and. I think what primarily drew me in was hoping that there would be a focus on the family. And I'm really glad to see that that was such a part of the heart of the movie. Uh, Jaime, I thought was a really relatable, really fun, likable character. I mean, we can all remember, like, we get out of college, we're ready to take on the world. And then sometimes the reality of life hits us and we realize, oh, man, maybe our dreams are not going to come true like as instantly as we think we are uh, obviously i was not inhabited by a blue beetle when i graduated college but i can no. relate to you know i i was not sadly but i can relate to you know feeling uncertain about your future and trying to decide who and what you're supposed to be and i just loved the relationship with his family each member of the family i thought brought something into the movie and I really bought them as real characters, even though there were moments when they were humorous. Um, I could relate to that. I come from a pretty close knit family and I'm also embarrassed to admit that I could see myself like dropping Lizzie off at her first job and like honking the car and like saying, go Lizzie, like for my daughter. So <laughs> I will probably be that embarrassing parent. So I'm just going to put that warning out there. I'm sorry, Lizzie. But um, another thing that I really you know, that's how supervillains are born. That's true. So, like, please, maybe that's Lizzie's villain origin story. So. <laughs> and from that point on, she knew she wanted to be a supervillain. Yes. But I, I, I enjoy seeing that kind of, like, over-the-top, you know, family that's super invested, really loves and cares about each other. Sometimes maybe they do they go a little bit too far, but, you know, they love and care about each other. And the one thing that impressed me about this movie was handling the – when the father passed, like just the emotion on um, the actor that was playing Jaime's sister, like I really felt like this is a daughter in grief over the loss of her father. I thought just like really strong, powerful acting. And then how they handled it too. It's always kind of awkward when you have a big dramatic death because this film isn't necessarily a drama. It's the superhero action movie. So then you have to keep going with the plot and then it almost feels as if the death is lost. But I thought it was powerful how um, Nana was like, we will grieve later. Now we got to rescue this member of our family. And then they did have that moment of closure and grief later. So obviously it's somewhat sped up. Like if 
when we lose a family member in real life, it's going to be a very long grieving process. But I like that they took the time to show that in the story. And I felt like the loss of the father impacted the family and um, impacted Jaime and his mission and how he saw everything. So I, I really appreciated that. I also liked seeing um, Palmyra City. I'm used to the famous uh, DC series like Gotham and uh, Metropolis, things like that. So this was a totally different feel. I think if I had to pick a DC city to live in, I think I might pick this one as much as I love Batman. I don't want to live in Gotham, but um, I think it was just, it was a cool <laughs> environment and um, was something a little bit different to see. And even though I'm not familiar with the comics themselves, I always liked the theme of legacy in movies and I could feel the weight of that, even though I didn't necessarily get the references. I liked the idea of these superheroes create a legacy that's passed on even after the person formerly wearing the suit is gone. Like the good things that that represents heroes giving back to your community, standing up for those who need help. Um, I like that. And just one final, the drawback for me was I love Susan Sarandon, but I didn't feel like the villain was particularly compelling. I felt like maybe she was phoning it in just a little bit. I mean, I don't blame her. I'm sure it was a nice paycheck, but I would have liked to see just a little bit more because I think there was some depth there about being a woman who came to lead a company during a time when there probably would have been bias against that. So I think there's more depth they could have done there that I would have liked to see that would have pushed the movie just up another level, but overall really enjoyed it and thought it was a little, a lot of fun. And I would like to see these characters again, however they show up in um, the new DC cinematic universe. Nice. Nice. Mike, what about you? What about me? For me, it's been an interesting ride with blue beetle because I first discovered blue beetle with Crisis on Infinite Earths, when we were introduced to the Charlton characters and we met, you know, Blue Beetle, we met the question, we met Judo Master and Captain Adam. And it was just real interesting. And, you know, when Ted Kord got his first series, I subscribed to it because I liked the thought of the character. He was like similar to Batman, but enough that he wasn't Batman because he had a sense of humor. He had, you know, he was the scientist who built all his own equipment. And, but you also had legacy already with him because you had Dan Garrett who actually had the scarab all, all the way back then. And it was interesting to, till you got Ted's death, you know, later on during when he was killed by Maxwell Lord and which was what that, infinite, that yeah, Infinite yeah. Crisis, I think it was. And he w that was all wiped out, though. And when the, the new 52, because Ted Kord's back. But like Drew, I loved him and Booster Gold, you know, in the Justice League. You know, you had, you know, Blue and Gold, where they those two worked so well off of each other. And then you had, you know, the introducing of Jaime and then towards the end of the regular DC uh, universe before the new 52. And it was very, very interesting. Um, I read the series, just wanted to see it, but it wasn't my cup of tea. And, you know, it was a younger character. It was, you know, going for a different audience. So I dropped out slowly and going into this movie though, I went in very open-minded, you know, 
going into most DC, you know, it's like, oh, please don't suck. Please don't suck. Please don't <laughs> suck. And I, I was, it was interesting because I loved this movie. I enjoyed every second of it. I agree with what Ashley said. Susan Sarandon's character should have had more depth into it. But I loved the whole thing with Jaime and his family. And I agree completely. You know, you have all these dreams. You know, I'm going to be, I'm pre-legal and I'm going to eventually be an attorney. I'm going to get, you know, a job at a law firm. I can be a clerk. I could be, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's ending up scraping gum off the bottom of tables and everything because it just doesn't work out that way sometimes. And it was interesting to see, you know, the city and I liked it. I really, really liked it. I liked the city because it's Miami, basically. And it's, you know, a very good telling. You know, you have the big, tall buildings, but you have a lot of lower income and a lot of, you know, ethnic neighborhoods and such in Miami. And they captured that really, really well in this. And the whole thing with the family, the sister was annoying to me, but most sisters are annoying to me, but that's okay. <laughs> having a sister myself. And, you know, then having, you know, Nana living with you, you had the multi-generational home and you had the mom and dad. And, you know, I thought it was really well done. The, the family was great. George Lopez as the uncle, he was awesome. He was great in it. Um, I did like also, um, uh, basically, um, you know, you had Jenny Cord and she was okay. I thought she was kind of one dimensional in a bit, but she was there to push the plot along. But I like how we got the introduction also of Omax. And yeah, I didn't expect Omax to appear in this either. And that was a big surprise to me. I was like, oh, okay, that's something mm -hmm. that's a, that's Omax. a deep cut. That is a very, very deep cut. And I thought it was very well done. It was not, I don't want to say believable, but it was <laughs> very well done. And I loved how they were basing it off of the Scarab technology with it and everything. And I was having fun in it. I, if you blinked, you know, you would have missed, you know, some of the actors who were in this movie. Um, and it was, but it was, it was good. And the people who they had as a family were awesome. Um, the woman who played Nana, she was amazing. Do I want to see a spinoff with her? No, but I <laughs> think she's, she's a great, great character. Uh, I loved, 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 loved. I've always been, ever since I started reading comics, I've loved Legacy. I've loved, that's what I loved about the Justice Society. I loved about, you know, reading comics. It was always reading the Justice League and Justice Society team-ups. That always got me, you know, because you had the older characters. This, you had the older characters. You saw that, you, you even got to see the flat, the fat Blue Beetle outfit in this. And when, he, when they were in uh, Ted's Man Cave or whatever you wanted to call it. And you had the, the missing costume. So I was cur I'm curious to see which one it was, but it was great to see. And, you know, the after credit scenes, the second one I could have bit lived without, but the first one was awesome, you know, revealing that Ted Court was still alive, which I figured he would be and everything. That Nobody. Wasn't Nobody. 
As soon as they said he's missing, we all know he's somewhere. He's somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah. Um, did I walk out of the theater feeling good? Heck yes. This is the best I felt walking out of a superhero movie since watching the Spider-Man, you know, across the metaverse or whatever it was. And it was, that's, I think it's probably my second favorite superhero movie this year. Nice. And so much more than I was even expecting. And I, you know, see, because the only way I knew the actor who played Jaime was from uh, the uh, Karate Kid TV show. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. and everything and so you know you you knew him from that because you know he's been on cobra kai since the beginning and i liked his character there but i did i didn't know how he would be as a lead for this and he carried it i thought he was great i i guess i go back a little bit further than any of you because uh, i had a stack of carlton comics when i was a kid carlton comics and 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 uh including peacemaker e-man blue beetle uh, and, uh, so I, I knew Blue Beetle when I was like very, very young and where was well aware of him. I, I, I can't say he was one of my favorites. I mean, I, he was, you know, he's fine. Um, and that's kind of how I felt about him throughout the run of comics. I don't think I ever sought out a Blue Beetle comic to, to specifically to buy. Um, and that, you know, I liked his time in the Justice League International. That was fun. Uh, of course, you know, Booster and he, a uh, great tag team um and uh be interesting to see what that if that comes to play later on because i think james gunn has said he has plans for booster um so it would be really a shame if they don't do something with uh you know that uh but i mean that's all in the future as far as this movie goes to be honest with you i was not I, I was I was open minded, but I was not really stoked to see this movie. I was like, okay, well, let's just see this and it's the end of the summer. I mean, I think Barbenheimer wiped us all out as far as a lot of things go. Like we're after that, but we like our summer peaked with Barbenheimer, and then after that, it was kind of like Haunted Mansion and Turtles was good, and you know, you're like we're all okay now. We just got the last gasp. Here we go. DC's just going to put this out there, throw this out there, um, and to, with almost. As you said, Rosemary, almost no publicity whatsoever. There was people I talked to that were like, there's a movie, there's a Blue Beetle movie coming out. Like they had no idea. Uh, and these are people right that, about a lot yeah, of people. And there was a lot of people that, yeah, like people that should have, you know, that are in our circle that, that should have known, right? But, um, so, uh, there, there was a few people in the theater when I saw it too. And, and I will say that there was a good Hispanic contingent and, and they, I, I, one of the things that I thought was really cool was that they laughed. And we're really amused at some things that I didn't get. So I knew that the movie felt authentic. You know, it's kind of like when you go to a Mexican place and you see other Hispanic people eating at that like restaurant, you're like, okay, the food must be pretty good there, right? Like, <laughs> like if yeah. they're enjoying it. So uh, I thought that was fun. Uh, as you guys said, uh, you know, uh, the family element, I think is the real key to this movie and it really does shine the, uh, the, 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 yeah, the the villains are not great. I was not familiar with Victoria Court as a person, as a character, but prior to this, I will say yes, she should have been better developed because they mentioned a few things. But I, I will say I think, uh, not only did uh, Susan Sarandon, I think bring like I think 
Okay, I'm going to say this about Susan Sarandon, and I'm going to say this about the entire cast, too. Everybody believed what they were selling in this movie. Like, I didn't feel like anybody, sorry, Ashley, I didn't feel like anybody was phoning it in. Like, I felt like the, the, the heat that Susan Sarandon brought was real. The dismissal of people was real. Like, I thought she sold that character about as well as she could have. I don't think it was written particularly in depth. It wasn't like a deep dive Marvel villain that we sometimes get like their side of things or whatever so that's and that's you know that's that's not i mean we don't want this i'm glad that this movie wasn't a two and a half hour movie <laughs> See, oh God, that's was, the other I thing like i was like, so scared about that exactly like let's just have fun have a good time, go to the movies and, and just have a good time and see some action and all that kind of stuff and then get out right like that seemed to be the a good a good opportunity to do that and 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 so like this doesn't need to be an epic movie like that this doesn't warrant that um uh the family was again like you have said all you have said this the family is a strong dynamic and and almost overshadowed and and quite frequently did overshadow uh jaime like i think that yeah i think to rosemary's point jaime's kind of I don't want to say boring because he's not boring. He does everything he needs to do. And I think Sholo does a great job like carrying this movie. He is, he is lead actor material. Uh, he can, this is the first time I've seen him because I didn't watch Cobra Kai. So this is the first time I saw him and I totally bought him as a, as a, as a hero in this role. Um, however, I didn't even like, you know, they said he, you know, he was pre-law, he graduated from law school, whatever. And I was like, yeah, but I don't feel that. I don't feel like, like the scarab picks him, but I have no idea why it picked him. Exactly. Um, and he doesn't add anything to it. Like, like the, at certain times in the movie, he actually just says, Hey, could you just take care of this for me? And it's on autopilot. Yes. Like, like he doesn't even do anything. Um, I was hoping you would say that. Yes, you know. exactly. So I, I, you know, I do feel like Jaime could have been written a bit stronger as a character. Um, and I, but I, like I said, I don't blame the actor on that. Just like I don't blame Susan for the the character of the villain because I think they both brought it, you know. And as far as all the actors on this, I think they like they they totally believed what they were selling. I didn't feel like anybody was going, "Oh, I'm in a superhero movie and I'm just getting a paycheck." Wink, wink, nod, nod. I felt like they all were like gave it their all, like. Um, I thought that the guy who played Carafax was pretty good, pretty scary. I mean, I guess they couldn't get Danny Trejo, so they got like, <laughs> like, like I'm just like I'm like, this is a part meant for Danny Trejo. Well, he might be too old for it but now, but I mean <laughs> he's too busy having the electric mayhem paint his house right now. Yeah, so it's a- if you if you need a if you need a tough act tough act Mexican man, it's like Trejo is the guy, and then it's like, okay, this guy does okay too. Um uh, but I think Jenny suffered the same thing. I think she was just kind of bland. Like she doesn't add anything to it either. You mm-hmm. know, she has to be saved at the end or whatever. And, uh, you know, the only thing she brings to it really is that she puts events in motion because she steals the scarab. And then later on, she has the keys to her dad's place. And it's like, okay, well, that, you know, I mean, that doesn't tell her the, how, what she is as a person. So okay. your two leads are kind of blank slates, which is kind of good because you can do whatever you want in sequels right and and hopefully use sequels to follow it up with them uh so i i do think that um overall the movie 
did satisfy me though. I, I did walk out. Like I said, the legacy stuff, seeing the bug in action was just phenomenal. Um, I mean, I know it's, it's, it, you know, Jaime doesn't want to kill people. I know it's wrong and everything like that. But when that bug like stepped on the guy and then would try to shake it off its claw or whatever, I was like, <laughs> oh, I was like, this it, it, yeah. and it was walking is, with yeah, yeah, leg. Yeah. It was yeah. just like, oh man, that is some serious Robert Rodriguez kind of humor that I really like appreciated that kind of action stuff. I was just like, oh, that's almost like Sam Raimi ish, you know, like that's, that's Tarantino ish. That's kind of crazy. But, but it was fun, uh, you know, seeing the uh, the beetle fart uh, was fun. Like, it just like that sort of thing was 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 a good time. It kind of had a uh, like a like a Power Rangers feel to it. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I get that it could be for not itty bitty kids, but uh, younger kids could find something in this. Oh, and I guess lastly, I'll just say the blue beetle outfit that Cully Hammer designed is gorgeous and i think it's brought to the screen so beautifully i mean it looks badass like um i mean it's kind of weird how his powers work and everything like that i know it's kind of tied in with i think in the comics it's tied in with green lantern sort of technology where it can do whatever it needs to do when it needs to do it which is kind of uh a you know, kind of a thing where it's like, um, I don't know if that's, you know, that's convenient for the plot, but it doesn't have any rules, really. I mean, when it's, when it's rebooting, it's kind of like, what, uh, what is actually powering it up? We don't know. Like, <laughs> um, well, But it was pretty much the same thing as like a Green Lantern ring. Even in the movie, she said, you know, anything yes. you can think of, I can do. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's kind of weak that way, but it's like, it's okay. You know, I get it. Like, it's fine. I didn't, but I think the design was really well executed. I think the design looks great. It looks like a, a formidable figure. Like, you know, I mean, the Ted Cord stuff is what I'll always remember when I think of Blue Beetle, but man, Kelly Hammer's design is, is beautiful. So I like that too. So um let's go around i know we're getting ready to like i i know we're going to also look ahead so um as far as something that you liked about this movie as well as whether you want to see this continue into the new dcu what it looks like the new whatever what gun is doing uh drew let's start with you like um what how do you feel about that what, if there are elements in this movie that you want to see continue on, or is it just like, you know, we just like to be its own little thing? Honestly, I don't think we're going to see much, too much carryover from this movie. I I do think we're going to see Jaime again, but um, I have a feeling. Do you feeling think we get that, a Blue Beetle too? Do you want a Blue Beetle too? Do you want Cord? That, that whole I want Cord. I can tell you, I want Ted Cord. And <laughs> um, we know James Gunn is doing uh, something with Booster Gold, and I'm expecting ted to show up in it at some point in some short sort of faction and uh i wouldn't i wouldn't mind seeing uh jaime show up too so that's what i'm expecting from from the future and you know james gunn likes comedy so booster and ted i can definitely see him doing comedy with them gotcha gotcha uh rosemary what about you um what's something about the movie uh if at all do you want to see it continue on or are you are you good with what they did? Well, I'd love to con- to see it continue on with giving uh, Jaime more 
character development to because to your point uh, that actor Zolo he's great I've seen him in Cobra Kai um, he is wonderful in that um, he I felt he did give it his all in this movie but they didn't give him a lot to do they didn't give him a lot of development um, based on my exposure with Young Justice Jaime is always fighting with that scarab I wish that they had more of that tension and that back and forth going on um, that part exactly when you said when he was like okay yeah you just do it I'm like what <laughs> you know, I, I thought you know usually it's the scab saying hey this is I, I think you should do this and do that yeah and, and I'm I'm going to give you the killing gun or or sword or forget it, what it was that that weapon that the scarab um, uh, gave him to to wipe out that particular soldier but um, I wanted to see more of that so if they can do a second um, Blue Beetle where they develop him more, um, maybe not so much with, with the love interest, Jenny Cord, she was kind of boring to me. Um, that would be cool. But honestly, what I'd really be hungry for is a Young Justice movie and have mm. him be part of that. That would be awesome with all of those characters put together and maybe even having James Gunn direct it because he's great with putting all these fish out of water kind of kooky strange characters together and young justice those characters they are a bit kooky they're they're you know the teens who have some issues so um yeah. that's what i'd like to see yeah very good very good it'd have to be something different as to not confuse it with like the titans right right, right. um because a lot of the the the, the same personnel are involved with both of those mm -hmm. uh, especially this most recent run of the titans on on tv that they had on max but um i'm i'm curious about that is there any so so drew wants a blue and gold <laughs> Rosemary wants a uh, a young justice movie. Ashley, what about you? What do you do? You want to see Blue Beetle two? Do you want to see something else, or are you you know do you want to see them just move on, or how, how do you want this can this to continue? Yeah, obviously, I like the character. I mean, I'd be down for a Blue Beetle two. I don't think we're necessarily going to get it anytime in the near future, but I definitely want to see this character again. And I love the idea of him being part of a lineup of young superheroes and that whole kind of coming of age idea, I think would be super cool. And even though I'm not familiar with the comics, Rosemary, I'm super intrigued by where you are talking about with him being sort of at war with the scarab, like these two different wills, the push and pull, sort of like um, a less chaotic venom situation where you have, exactly. like you're a person, but you have this other entity that's trying to push its will on you. Sometimes you're aligned, sometimes you're not. So I think that would be super fascinating and would really like to see that. And I think that could be kind of cool in like a team up film where you have him trying to get along with this power inside him and also with all these other superheroes who have their mm -hmm. own personalities and quirks. So I think there's a lot of possibilities and I hope that we get, that there is a place for this character in the new DC cinematic universe. Mm -hmm. Wow. Ashley just geek drop venom onto this discussion. I didn't see that coming. No, no, that's, that's, I, that's right, though. Yes, it's I don't know that I love the venom movie, but it made an impression on me. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one I will forget. Uh, very cool. Uh, and the other thing that's difficult about a Blue Beetle 2, right, is that and 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 Drew and Mike, you can kind of see speak to this as well. But um, I mean, I've followed 
off and on, I followed Blue Beetle, both Ted Cord and and Jaime a little bit, you know, over the years. I can't tell you one bad guy, one rogue, one villain, one arch nemesis that that he has. So it, that would be kind of difficult. Like, I don't think his rogues gallery is one that I mean, even for this movie, they had to bring Omac into it, which I'm sure is not. Well, I know was not one of his his you know, is, is bad guys in the comic is villains in the comic. So I don't know much about Carapax. So I don't know if he's in the comics or not, but it did seem like, you know, there's a very short list, even Ted Cord, who has much more legacy history than Jaime does. I, I can't like, there was, uh, I can't even remember. They're just, they're not that many familiar of like really rememberable character, bad guy characters. Well, one of the characters I would like to see them bring in is the Black Beetle. Mm. And that was a big storyline in the comics for over a couple of years and kept on building and building. And it it was one of the masterpieces in the storyline. So I could see that coming about. And, you know, you had a thought, oh, is the Black Beetle Ted Cord? You know, is Ted really bad? And it wasn't, but I'm not going to spoil that. Because there's there's a lot of good in it. Because Ted in the comics becomes a mentor to Jaime. And so it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a Batman Beyond situation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that something you'd like to see going forward? How would you like to see this this sort of part of the DCU, if at all, continue? All the above, what everyone mentioned, is exactly <laughs> That's a lot. That's a, that's a big budget. I don't know if James Gunn has that big of a budget, man. No. Because I would love to see Young Justice eventually done. I would love to see uh, Blue and Gold. I think that would be amazing, especially, you know, I would would have loved, you know, what they kind of were starting to plan to do on Legends of Tomorrow with with, uh, Booster. And they were planning on possibly bringing in Ted Kord into the uh, Legends. So you would have gotten Blue and Gold there. So, you know, there was a very good possibility of that. So I would love to see it continue. And there's a, I would love to see a Blue Beetle too, because I want to see what happens with the family. I want to see what happens, you know, because that's the only way we'll get more Nana anyways, you know. (laughs) And, you know, I also want to see more George Lopez as the the uncle and everything, because that was riveting to me. I loved every scene with him. And I'm not a huge George Lopez fan by far, but he was great in this, as this, in this role. And, you know, that's what I liked about it. And I want to see more what he did, how, you know, he has obviously the scientific background because mm-hmm. he was, he created the blocker, you know, to block all the uh, stuff at Ted Cord Industries and stuff. He's and he was dog. able to fly the, the bug. He's, you he's, know, and, he's, you know. he's the man in the van. He's the tin dog in this, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, so exactly. Yeah, so. He'll have a, he'll have a role, I think. And, you know, I, you know, I, I, uh, I don't know what the future is, uh, for this franchise, but yeah, it'd be hard to, you know, I mean, on the one hand, is this character strong enough to support at the, at one time, I think, uh, Angel Soto said that he, you know envisioned a trilogy of movies of course they all say that but but uh it would be interesting to see if this this could support if this 
this hero could support a franchise if Soto could do it. I do wonder what he has in mind because, you know, if you, if you do involve young justice, if you do involve blue and gold, if you do involve that sort of thing, you know, you got to You got to put the family in there too. And that, that gets all very complicated as to how you can make all of that work. So um, I don't know. I'm really kind of curious to see what, what they have in mind. Uh, but whatever it is, I'm, I'm on board. I really thought that they did about as good as they could, you know, with, with this character. I think some of the fault may be in the lead characters, uh, is the fact that maybe in the comics, he's not that strongly written either. I mean, as we pointed out, none of us are huge, like marks for the comic either. So, you know, maybe these, maybe that uh, extension goes and maybe they can figure out a way to make him more interesting in the in the movies or whatever media they, they go forward with this on. So, um, but, uh, you know, I mean, it, 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 I think, I don't think the box office should determine whether or not this gets another movie. Uh, I think it should be word of mouth. And I think the reception, especially when it finally does hit max, which I guess Warner Brothers has that 45 day window thing. So I would imagine, like you said, Mike, in about a month and a half, this will be on max and we'll see if it gets a, a, new, a new audience that way. Um, and because, uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, another thing that has hurt the box office is that a lot of people are just streaming, period. Now, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's a superhero movie, an action movie, doesn't matter what it is. They're just streaming, period. So there's a lot of things that went against this movie's release. Um, and uh, hopefully they won't hold that against it, because I do think, as you pointed out, Mike, it's been, to me, the most satisfying DC movie this year. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, I will real quick, and I don't mean to interrupt oh. or anything. One of the things that showed me a very interesting sign with the future of the DCU, no Aquaman preview before this movie. And, well, yeah. I mean, there was no, there was no lead into the next whatever, like, exactly. except for the next possible Blue Beetle movie. Like exactly. that was the only thing that was in the post credit scene was the Oh, fact but that it was it, so much better than watching Arthur Curry and Barry <laughs> Allen getting yeah. drunk at oh, the gosh. end. Well, yeah. Yeah, that, 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 well, that's true. That that's not something that DC always did well anyway, because that, that was something that they tack they started to tag onto their movies because Marvel was doing it when Marvel was setting up the whole endgame storyline. Um, they would connect their movies like that. And then DC was like, oh gosh, we have to connect our movies somehow. Okay. Throw these characters in. And, and so that, that was, I, I felt with the flash with that tacked on, uh, let's get drunk with Aquaman scene. That was kind of a holdover. We, we have to do it like Marvel kind of thing. And I'm glad they, they didn't do that with, um, Blue Beetle. I think what, what would make sense as you, everyone was talking about their ideas for the future. It would be cool if if they actually gave Blue Beetle a series instead Mm of um, a movie, because then that way you could explore all of those different elements and introduce those characters. Even if it were just a a limited series, eight episodes on HBO, you could you could do it right that way. I'd watch it. I'd watch the budget on that would have to be massive, though. It's just the CGI and the costume. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. We'll see with the. uh... You know, I mean, the technology is pretty good. Um, we'll see. Uh, but I, I like that idea as well. Um, and, uh, and, and 
to your point, Rosemary, I don't even think Marvel's doing the, the post credit stuff right now. It, great, anyway, a great job with those. Oh guys. no, they're not. <laughs> they're, they're, they're phoning those in now. As, as so, a Marvel person, yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm disappointed they're phoning them in. They have to. All right. So on that note, uh, that wraps up our discussion of Blue Beetle, at least for now anyway. And uh, until uh, we do our summer uh, wrap up in a couple weeks, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we get when we come back, we're going to close out the show. Hey everybody, Michelle here with an iconic Rock Talk Show moment. The members of Talking Heads parted ways back in 91. It's been that long. Uh, Chris France and Tina Weymouth, if you ask them, they say the band never broke up. But nevertheless, they did stop making music. And David Byrne now admits that at the time, he was not qualified to write the book, How to Have Good Interpersonal Relationships. But time has gone by, and things are in a better place. They're on better terms, if not exactly best buds. But maybe they can all go out for beer next month in Toronto, along with Jerry Harrison. Uh, they will be reuniting for a Q&A with Spike Lee at the Toronto Film Festival at the premiere of the remastered 40th anniversary edition of the film Stop Making Sense, of course directed by Jonathan Demme. Forty years later, it seems like the world took the title of that movie as uh, a request or a challenge of some kind. Uh, the film will be released on IMAX nationwide on September 22nd. Looking forward to that. Uh, David Byrne's musical Here Lies Love, a disco uh, retelling of the story of Imelda Marcos, is currently on Broadway. And to get my little Rock and Roll Hall of Fame plug in here, if you are ever in Cleveland, if you ever go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and you have not been before, start your visit by going up to the third floor theater. It's a little awkward, but that's where the theater is. And start the start your whole visit with watching the film, uh, which was directed by Jonathan Demme. It was his final project uh, about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ceremonies. It puts together footage from every single induction ceremony and it is really uh it'll really bring up the goosebumps on the back of your neck it is 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 really a wonderful thing to see uh so definitely check that out this has been the iconic rock talk show moment we will catch you next time soul forge podcast it's a geeky look at love life fandom mental health pop culture and so much more if you're into learning about yourself and the universe, Soul Forge is your podcast. Each week, we have a surprising new topic. From stupid things we do for love, to product reviews, and there's almost always a fun guest host. Like and subscribe to Soul Forge Podcast today. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about this year's monster cereals. So every year around this time, since the 70s, the monster cereals have come out. Everyone knows Count Chocula and Frankenberries as those were the original two, but over the years we've had a few other flavors that cycle in and then may not come out for a few more years after that. This year, Count Chocula, Frankenberry, Booberry, and the brand new cereal Carmella Creeper joined the lineup. Carmella being the cousin of Frankenberry if you read the little comics that are on the back of the boxes a Frankenstein's monster-style chick who is a DJ. 
In the past, we've also had the Werewolf Fruit Brute and the Fruity Yummy Mummy. Both of these were not released this year, but are still fun to know about. Now, I do not really eat cereal as my normal, like, food routine, but I generally pick up a box of Count Chocula around this time of the year to have as a snack occasionally. One of my friends actually grabbed me a box of all four cereals at whatever membership discount store they're part of, so I get to have all four over the next few months, and I'm excited to try out this new new Carmella Creeper cereal since it's supposed to be a caramel cereal with marshmallows, and it's the little crunchy marshmallows, which to me are the best, and I love caramel, so I'm kind of hoping it's good. Also, the artwork for these boxes and the character designs are fantastic and so fun. I love how the classic characters haven't really changed that much over the years, keeping that fun, nostalgic feel while still being a little updated for the times. Since a lot of these characters have cult followings, and if you have never seen some of the really crazy cosplays of the monster serial characters, I suggest looking up online. There are some crazy, fun Frankenberry cosplayers out there that go all out with their costumes, and they're really cool looking. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. Drew, thanks so much to, for joining us tonight. We do appreciate you. Love being on. Love talking DC. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Of course. We'll be talking about Blue Beetle in our next episode. So Awesome. So we should come out just about the same time. So, because we come out on Thursday. So Yeah, we'll put... We should be out on Monday if I'm able to get it edited in time. <laughs> We're doing our show a little later this week than I was planning on, so. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, so, is there now? What are you guys planning to cover? Because I think now we're going to be reaching a point where, for the rest of the year, there's not really a lot of new DC material, um, a multimedia tier. I mean, always comics, st- sure, but we still got a lot to talk about. Um, we're going to be. We're going to be doing t- the second half of Titans. We haven't discussed that yet. Nice. We've still got um, uh, Sweet Tooth. We haven't done season two oh, yet, so we still got that. So amazing. So amazing. Doom Patrol. Haven't oh. heard when the second half is supposed to be out, but we still got that to cover. So we still got some stuff. Good. Good. And, and of right. course, okay. with comics now, we're doing the Night Terror event. So that's nice. been what we've been discussing in comics. And some of the other mini series that are going on. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. And how can people find your podcast? We're on the ESO network. So you can find us on their page. You can find us at earthstationdcu.com. And uh, we also got a new newsletter you can subscribe to. So we got all the, we list all our comics on there and 
what TV shows or movies or whatnot we're discussing that week. So you can look for both of those. Totally cool, sir. And Ms. Ashley Pauls, as always, it's great having you to talk some movies with. Oh, thank you. I always love getting to go to the movies. And a lot of times I end up having to go by myself. But I know that once I'm done, I'll get to talk about it with friends here. So I, I always enjoy our You're chats. You're never alone. You're never that's alone. That's right. Actually. Yes. <laughs> that could always, be comforting. We'll always be, we'll always be with you. <laughs> Is that comforting or scary? So you uh, can, it can go either way. <laughs> You're one of us. One of us. Anything you want to shout out about? <laughs> yes. Um, I wanted to give a quick shout out to um, fellow board game, board game geeks out there. Uh, this past weekend, there's a new collectible card game called Disney Lorcana. And it features characters from classic Disney animation. It's sort of in a similar style to the very popular Magic the Gathering. But there's different cards you get to build a deck featuring famous characters like Belle, Mickey Mouse from all eras of Disney. So it's just a lot of fun. So if you like board games, if you like um, Disney, I would highly recommend checking it out. No, totally cool. And some there's some amazing board games out there now, yeah. folks. Yeah. And yeah, check it out. Definitely encourage you to check out your local game store. I think this particular game is at some of the big box retailers, but always recommend checking out your local game store in your community. They may even have some fun events surrounding some of these new games. I was actually at the tar my local Target and they were clearancing out some of the older board games and mm -hmm. everything. Even a couple versions of Settlers of Catan and Cards Against Humanity and stuff like that. And it's like, it's just interesting to see what they are clearancing out. So definitely check them out, folks. It's pretty awesome. And Rosemary, thank you so, so much. You made it through your first episode with us. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> it feels good, though. feels good. It was great talking to you and talking with everyone about the movie. Oh, it was wonderful to have you on. Anything you want to shout out or promote or anything? Um, sure, I'd love to give a shout out, even though it's not something that I am producing. It's something I'm going to if you're in the Atlanta area uh, this weekend on uh, um, August 26th, they're having Doggy Con, which is usually done before Dragon Con, where you can bring your pets um, dressed up in uh, superhero costumes. And there is a uh, superhero pet costume pageant and contest that you can also take part in so it's lots of fun i also have a therapy dog i'm a member of a, a therapy dog team and we go out um on our visits uh with our wonder woman my wonder woman shirt and her my dog lillian with her wonder woman um uh halter and so uh yes yeah, we're superhero pets team so doggy con and support your uh, local therapy dogs and teams that is awesome that is totally awesome it's a That's great cool. great cause it is a great great cause and this will come out before that so definitely folks if you get a chance you know check it out if you're in the atlanta area thanks and mr mike we've made it through another one my friend we did and as always it's my pleasure anything you want to shout out about sir uh yes uh well as uh we've mentioned at the top of the show uh we're uh you can find me at dragon con uh at the end of the month and uh you know the labor day weekend in the atlanta area 
one of the things I, I don't have my exact panel schedule yet. They did give me my table number and I'll have the same table that I've had in the artist alley for the last couple of years. So you can find me there. The book that I was working on dragon tales, which is an anthology collection of stories and essays, memories, celebrating dragon con, uh, that will not be there in person. However, I do believe it's going to be active on Amazon that weekend. So nice. I do want to bring that to people's attention. They can, uh, obviously they follow me. I will be revealing, uh, by this time, the time that people are hearing this, I should be, I will reveal the cover art and it looks really amazing. We had, uh, uh, artist, uh, and author, uh, Mary Ogle do the cover art and it looks gorgeous. Uh, so uh, at the con, I will have, uh, stickers and I will have bookmarks. For promoting the book, and uh, I will be uh, offering those up for people who donate to the charities. The book is, like I said, a benefit book celebrating America's largest pop uh, culture convention. And uh, the two charities that the book uh, will be supporting is the American Heart Association in honor of Tom Trainer and the Lost and Found Youth Organization, which is local to Atlanta in in honor of our good friend darren noel and and so uh i will be looking to raise money uh even though i won't have the book on hand i'll be looking to raise money for donations for that and i will have stickers and bookmarks for people who uh feel uh like donating so um no matter what amount so um i'm looking forward to coming to the event of course and doing all the panels like i said i'm uh my panel schedule just follow you know, if you follow me on Instagram, you follow me on Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, you'll be able to find my schedule. Or when the app comes out, you'll be able to find my schedule there as well. So I'm looking forward to it. Totally fantastic, sir. Totally fantastic. So my news is something I've been meaning to bring up on the podcast for the last couple of weeks. But, you know, it's been kind of awkward with some of the, you know, sad news that has come out about Hawaii and now that we have what's going on over in California, and it's just weird weather, folks. Weird, weird, weird weather. But I got some good news going on, folks. I have a new podcast. That's right, folks. I have a brand new podcast that I am producing. And I am the voice of the podcast, too, doing the announcing for them and everything. And it's called Tales from Hollywood Land. It's a look at um, old-time Hollywood um, from three experts who have been working in the industry since the late 1950s all the way up to present time. And it's an amazing, amazing podcast. We actually had the third episode go live today, and it is a ton of fun. First one, we talked about Oppenheimer, and we were a little rough on that one. Um, I was the only one at the time who was on the show who actually had seen the movie. So you got a lot more of me than you actually had of the other hosts on that one. But since then, with episode two, we did a look at Alfred Hitchcock. And each one of the hosts of the, the show have actually met Hitchcock or worked with Hitchcock. And the stories they have are just amazing. And I could listen to these guys for hours. And it's just it is a great, great thing. It's, you know, just a lot of fun having, you know, these guys who have worked in the industry. And so it's available on anywhere fine podcasts are found now. It's going to be an audio podcast to start off with. And we have uh, Julian Schlossberg. We have Arthur Freeman and Steve Rubin, who has been on this show before. And he actually survived the geek seat with us, actually. 
And, you know, I guess we didn't scare him away enough. He asked <laughs> me to work with him. So definitely check it out. Tales from Hollywoodland.com. And, you know, it's going to be a fun adventure. See where this thing goes. And, you know, it's it's a neat experience. That's at least, and it's going to be, the ride is going to be fun. Because, you know, we're already we've recorded the first five episodes. And what's to come already is going to make you turn blue. So it's going to be great. It's going to be a ton of fun. So definitely check it out, folks. You know what? It's always just great to be able to talk to you guys. It's always great to have you guys on the show and everything. And, you know, it's always just great to be able to talk geek stuff with you guys. And, you know, yeah, this is going to be our last movie for a little bit. I think the next one is the Hercule Poirot movie that we're doing mm. and everything that's coming out in September. So you guys get a couple weeks off from movie reviews. So that's a good thing. But, you know, we got great stuff. I think we have on our schedule next week is Strange New Worlds Season 2. So I think that should be a ton of fun. And, you know, each one of us is going to sing their own part for it. So, you know, I think it'll be very interesting to see, especially Mike Gordon's part. So I think it should be a ton of fun. Thanks for listening, as always, to the Earth Station One podcast. Always remember, we couldn't do this without you. If you want to support the podcast, please check out our Tee Public store and get some really cool ESO Network swag, including the new show to the ESO Network. The Three Fry Short is coming to our Tee Public store. So their logo is going to be up there so you can have their logo up on your chest. It's pretty cool stuff. Also, remember, if you want to listen to our show before the rest of the world, why not join in the ESO Network Patreon? For as little as a dollar a month, you too can actually you know help support us here at earth station one and the eso network just check it out at patreon.com slash eso network we also want to hear from you please write us anytime at feedback at earthstation1.com remember you could also find earth station one wherever fine podcasts are found and of course now earth station one can be found in video format up on youtube please subscribe and tell all your friends about us and as always like and subscribe like and subscribe and Hit the bell. You know, you guys have made it on YouTube all the way to the end of the podcast. Please subscribe to us. You know, we would really appreciate it. On behalf of myself, of course, Mr. Mike Faber, Mr. Mike Gordon, Drew Leiter, Ashley, and of course, Rosemary. Thank you guys so, so much. You guys have been great. It's been fun talking, Blue Beetle. We'll see you here next time on the Air Station One podcast. Peace, and we are done. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon 
or by shopping for the Tea Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.